Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. Thou shouldest say, You shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, You shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Well, the point that he's making is that here it is, it's right here. You don't have to go a long, long way. There's a story of a mountain climber that was exploring in the Himalayas many, many years ago. 
And he stumbled upon a monastery there in the Himalayas. And he walked into this monastery and he heard literally the most beautiful, beautiful sound that he had ever heard. I mean, it was, it was a transformative sound that he had heard in his life. And, and he went to the monks and he said, what is that sound? What is making that sound? What is the source of that sound? And, and they said, well, we can't tell you because you're not a monk. And uh, he begged them, but they took him to a huge ornate door, wooden door that was covered with gold. And they said, behind that door is the source of that sound. He said, well, open the door and show me. They said, well, we can't, we can't show you because you're not a monk. And so he begged them, but they wouldn't do it. And uh, he, he said, we can't tell you because you're not a monk. So he left. And for years, this sound haunted him. And uh, at last, one day, he made his way back to the monastery. And he came in, he said, I've got, I've got to see what the source of the sound is. It's so beautiful. He could hear it, but he had to see where it was coming from. What was making this fantastic, beautiful, ethereal, if you will, sound? And, and they said, well, we, we can't show you because you're not a monk. He said, well, well can I become a monk? They said, yeah, but it's like 20 years. And there's a lot of stuff you have to go through. And he said, I'll do whatever because I've got to hear what that sound is. And so, it's okay. So he took a vow of hardship, a vow of poverty, even a vow of silence. They would do things like maybe go count, count the uh, blades of grass on the hillside. And for 20 years, he, he worked at becoming a monk. And at last, at the end of the 20 years, he said, uh, about time they said yes. And so they had a modest ceremony and uh, and they uh, they they got in there and, and, and he, they gave him his monk robes and his, his, uh, a little a little plaque that said you're a monk now and, and he said alas I'm a monk. So they, he said now can I see the source of that beautiful sound? I want to see what is making that sound. They said yes you can. And they went in, they opened the door, and he looked and in raptures delight. He looked and he looked at that. I think you want to know what it was? I can't tell you because y'all are monks. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's it's coming to God is just not that complicated. Right. Come on now, You know, touching the presence of the Lord is just not that complicated. We make it that way many times. It, it just, it, it, it's, it's crazy how it is at times. And, but we, it's, not, it's not that complicated. Second Corinthians 11 and 3 says, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And Paul understood that there were a lot of things that, that could get between us and God and, and get between us and the message that was given. He said, you know, he said, I, I'm afraid that something or somebody will get in your spirit and will corrupt your mind. Amen. And 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 and, and destroy the simplicity that is in Christ. False doctrine, carnality, sin could beguile and 
corrupt the message. Amen. And it just, it just seems as though there's always something that that interferes with God's movement. I am so grateful for the presence of the Holy Ghost that, that we feel today. I am so grateful for the power of the Spirit that just began to flow, amen, through this place. And people begin to submit themselves. I'm going to tell you what. I believe that there's something that is happening. Brother Nate was talking about it. It may take a while, but there's something that is happening in the spirit of this church. I'm getting a little off here. Something that is happening in the spirit of this church. People are beginning to pray. People are beginning to seek God. They're hungry for the move of God. We're tired, amen, of the same old, same old, amen. And when we begin to do that, it begins to break down the walls. It begins to tear down the obstacles. And God is able to move. But it's unfortunate that it's not always that way. There are times that I have walked into churches, amen, where God is so far, amen, and there are things that are between them and God, and it's very, very disturbing. The Bible tells us in Amos, Amos was talking, and he, he began to talk to the people of Israel. And here, here we see, if we look at God, and we see the way that God dealt with the people of Israel, God blessed them. In fact, we're talking about Deuteronomy going, and you'll find in Deuteronomy where, where Moses talks about the blessings uh, uh, and the curse of not evil and not garrison. And you can look at that, look that up. And he talks about how if you will obey God, if you will bless God, if you will do the things that the Word of God says, you will be blessed immeasurably. Amen. Everything that you need, you can have. Every blessing that you need, you can have. But if you resist God and you reject God, the curses will come upon you. And everything that you have will be taken away. Of course, we know the history of the people of Israel over and over and over again. They went into idolatry and everything else. Amos wrote this in the fourth chapter, the sixth verse. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. What he's saying is because of your rejection of God, amen, you don't need to brush your teeth because you don't even have any food to eat. And I've taken it away from you because of your rejection. And yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Also I have withholden the rain from you. That there were yet three months to harvest. When there were yet three months to harvest. And I've caused it to rain upon one city. And caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon. And the piece thereupon, it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. With your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees up. And your all trees increased, and the palmworm devoured them. Yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I sit among you pestilence after the manner of Egypt, and on and on and on. Yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I've overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. Yet ye have not returned unto me. Amen. And so he goes on. He said, I have tried to correct you. First of all, God was a blessing to them. 
God was a provider to them. When they turned against God and they rebelled against God and they went to other idols and all of that, to idols and idolatry and false doctrine, he began to correct them. He began to chastise them. And yet, even in the midst of all that, they did not return to God. Something was twisted and messed up in the hands and the minds and the spirits of these people when they could not get a hold of the idea. Just turn back to God. That's all it takes. Amen. It's not a big deal. It just lived for God. Amen. Josiah came in to a country that was devastated by sin and idolatry. And he said, you know what? We're just going to clean things up. And he did. And God blessed. Somebody needs to get into their mind. All i got to do is give Jesus my all. It's not a big deal. It's not a hard deal. It's just a deal. i got to give him my all. Man, one of the most feared statements I think that you'll ever hear in the as at the end of there in Amos, where he said, Therefore, thus I will do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Prepare to meet thy God. Somebody, I was reading a commentator, and I was I was interested, it was fascinating what he said. See, God had chastised Israel in all kinds of ways, and his chastisement, you need to understand something. The Bible says, whom he loveth, he chastises. He loves his people, and sometimes he, I, I've been chastised. I have been whooped by the Lord, if you will. Amen. God has worked me over. Uh, he is, he is, uh, he, he's taking care of me just a little bit here and there. God has blessed me and blessed me whenever I haven't done right. God has let me know. And it has been for my benefit and for, for my good. Amen. And, uh, and, and, and that's great. But he had done that and he had worked that. He had tried to work with the people of Israel. And at last, this one commentator that was writing, he, he said that the, the terminology that was used, uh, there was a military phrase. Uh, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, because I will do this unto thee. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. What he was saying was, I am coming against you as a man of war. I'm coming against you in battle. So prepare thyself, uh, amen, to meet an angry and militaristic uh, almighty foe in battle. Amen. Is there anything? I'm going to tell you what. The Bible tells us uh, that there will come a time, and I'm going to move away from this area, but there will come a time uh, whenever those that have rejected God and rejected God and rejected God, that God will no longer have mercy. Proverbs 1 and 24 says this, Because I have called, uh, and ye have refused, uh, I have stretched uh, out my hand. Uh, amen. Uh, and no man regarded. But ye have said and not all my counsel, and with none of my reproof. Uh, what he was saying uh, was, I've reached out to you. Uh, I've loved you. Uh, I've blessed you. Uh, I've called. Uh, I've reached my hand. Uh, you have refused it. Uh, you haven't re regarded it. Uh, you have said it not all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. Uh, and the result of that is Proverbs 1 and 26. Uh, he says, I will also laugh. 
be. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Let me say something. God is a merciful God. God is a God of love. But God is a God of judgment too. There will come a day when God will judge this earth. Amen. And the mercy that God has given and given and given. The love that God has shown over and over and over. Amen. The grace that we have felt. Uh, there will come a point when the Bible says this. And there's a reason why in Genesis it says, says this. That uh, 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 four score and twenty years that, that will be the days of men. And, they, and, and God's spirit will not always strive. Will not strive with man. Amen. What it's talking about. Amen. A lot of people, and I don't agree with this, a lot of people say that man would live 120 years. What it was talking about was it was 120 years until the flood, and God was going to deal with people until the flood came, and he wasn't going to strive with them anymore. In other words, you better get yourself right. You better listen to a preacher of righteousness. I'm giving you 120 years, and after that, it's over. Amen. There's going to come a day when God stands up and says, that is enough. If you look at our society today, and I was reading some things yesterday that blew my mind. Amen. Some of the stuff. It was reading. I read this thing. I came across this article, and it sickened me. It was talking about all of these shows and movies that are glorifying. Get this cannibalism. That they're coming out, yeah. There's all these shows, and, and they're 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 doing it in kind of a horror way. But there's this. They they said when they the producers talk about there's they said there's this kind of an attraction. Like what in the world is wrong with you people? But this is what's happening. Value of life is what count. Murders. I'm going to tell y'all something. They plan on getting on this. So I'm going to tell y'all something. If you set your kid in front of a television or a movie screen or give them a gaming console or whatever, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of thousands of brutal murders that that kid is going to see by the time they're 18 years old. And you wonder why young men who don't have father figures and have filled their mind with this violence and garbage, you wonder why they go out and shoot up schools and stuff because their mind has been corrupted by the garbage of the world. Parents, you better watch what you allow your children to look at. Amen. And so we, so we see our society, murders going up, uh, all kinds of rape and violent stuff is going up. Horrible things are happening. They're pushing vile, filthy stuff on us. And the, our society, our culture is reaching a point. I am afraid there's going to be a day when it's a point of no return. And then he said, you have reached out to you. I've reached my hand out to you. I've called unto you. There will come a day when God says, that is enough. And judgment will fall. He said, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Amen. He says, then, then they shall call upon me, but I will not answer. Then they shall seek me early. But they shall not find me. Why? For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Yeah. 
And I, I, it, 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 it is a worrisome thing when you think about that. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing when you think about that. Because my experience with God, even though I have felt the corrective power of God, is the love and the mercy. There's a song that says, Your grace and mercy. Yes, sir. Your grace and mercy. It's your grace and mercy to help me. It's your grace and mercy to pick me up. Amen. And I believe that is. The Bible says, God would that not any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Because that's the way that God is. Amen. It doesn't have to be for us that judgment. It doesn't have to be that situation. See, Paul preached, and we mentioned this in our text. And, and I, I, I've mentioned this about the judgment to give a, a little bit of a contrast. You need to understand that God is a holy God. God is a holy God. And, and, and sin and unrighteousness and God's nature of holiness do not work together. Amen. And if you, if you, if you look at the things that go on, you understand that, that if, if God's nature is holy, there has to be judgment because of the horrible, horrible things that happen. Amen. And, and, and it's, it's, it's sad, but it's true. Somebody made a statement that 6,000 years of human history proves the concept of original sin. And the things that have went on and on and on and on demand justice. Yep. See, we're a society today that wants to throw justice out of the window. But certain things demand justice. If a person goes and kills a child, it, justice is demanded. But in the midst of this, in the midst of the fact that judgment is going to come upon this earth, in the midst of that, there is the grace and the mercy of God that is so strong and so beautiful. Amen. That for every one of us uh, that will take advantage of that, that, that God will extend it to us. Amen. Amen. I don't know who is sending me messages that are being on my um, on my on my face, my face uh, uh, iPad. Amen. But Paul, Paul was preaching in the in our text. Amen. He he preached this on Mars Hill. He said that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, from every one of us. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that's so important. And I promise you I'm not going to preach a lot longer. But here's the thing that's so important. This is not complicated. Amen. We just need to seek him. He's not over the sea. Amen. He's not somewhere out in space. He's not in the heavens. He's not in the earth. Amen. He's everywhere. We understand that. In fact, David said, if I take the wings of the morning, he'll find me there. If I make my bed in hell, he's there because he's everywhere. But Paul said this. Amen. He's right near to each. For in him we have our being. Amen. Everything. He's right here. It's not that complicated. He looked at those people on Mars Hill in Athens and they were people that were trying to find this God and trying to find that God. And they had all kinds of gods. There were idols to all kinds of gods. And he walked up there and he found an idol that said to the unknown God. And the problem was with the people in Athens that they were so worried they might miss one of the gods. So they just built an idol to an unknown God. He said, him, I declare unto you. You don't know who he is, but he's right here. He'll help you. He'll touch you. It's not complicated, people. You just want to let God have his way. He's standing right beside you. 
I've said this before, amen, but I, I, I mean it when I say I feel, praise the Lord, when the power of God begins to move in this place, and I feel like it right now, amen, we saw a manifestation of it, that Jesus begins to walk in our midst, amen, how do I know, because I feel him, amen, he's right here, he's not far away, he's no way off in the heavens, he's right here, right now. He said, am I a God of hand? Say it's the Lord and not a God of Pharaoh. Jeremiah 23 and 23. Can any hide himself in the secret places that I should not see him? Say it's the Lord. Do not I feel heaven and earth. Say it's the Lord. He's not a puzzle to figure out. He's not a secret that no one can know. At one time, knowledge and fellowship with him was reserved for a few. But now, amen, Paul wrote this in Ephesians. Three and eight unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Christ Jesus. He said, here's what I'm doing. I'm preaching you the, the unsearchable riches of Christ that was hidden at one time, but now it's available to everybody. It's not complicated, folks. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. You know what it takes? It takes a hungry heart that when God begins to reach toward them, they open up their heart to Him. Jesus was always reaching. The Bible says He came to seek. He said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He went to Zacchaeus. He went out of His way to save he took a detour to reach a Samaritan lady at the well. He went out of his way to deliver a Syrophoenician lady's daughter. He took a boat roll across an ocean or a sea to cast demons out of a man and got there. God is always reaching. God is always trying to find a way to touch you. I told this to somebody just recently, but I read a story reading somewhere about Brother Carl Ballesteros, great preacher, great man of God. He was driving along one day. He just was driving. He was driving along. And God said, pull over and preach. And he's like, God, I'm in the middle of the country. There's farms and cattle all around. There's nobody in the area. And you want me to pull over and preach. Amen. And God said, pull over and preaching, pulled to the side of the road, and he got out feeling like an utter fool. He stepped up to the farm fence. There were trees and cows and all. The only audience he had, or so he thought, was a bunch of cattle out there. And he began to preach. God loves you wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever situation you're in. God loves you. He began to preach the plan of salvation. He began to preach that God is still reaching for you. God loves you. And he said, I felt the burning lift. I got in my car and I drove off. He said a few weeks later, a few weeks or months later, he was preaching in a church and a man walked up to him. He said, I work on a farm. I was under a tree around the corner, just down the way from you, having my lunch. I'm a backslider. I'd fallen away from God. Amen. And I didn't feel like God cared. And a man got out. I heard a voice 
eyes and I walked over and I looked and I recognized who it was. I thought, is that Carl Sparrow? And you're standing there preaching and God got a hold of my heart. This is the way that God works. He's reaching. It's not a big complicated thing. He just loves you so much. Since Anona Freeman was washing dishes, I sent this out to the church on a group text. She's washing the dishes. Amen. And she's just washing, and God tells her, This seems so silly. Go out on the porch and wave. And so she walks out. She's like, God, this doesn't make much sense. But if you want me to walk out on the porch and wave, I'll walk out on the porch and wave. And she steps out and she starts waving to nobody in particular. And a, and a, and a car or truck comes barely past us in a cloud of dust and goes ripping past us. A few days later, she's, in, she's speaking in a church somewhere. And a guy gets up and he says, can I say something? He said, I was driving down the road headed to some place. I was going to blow my brains out. And I said, God, if you could show me that anybody, somebody cares. He said, I will, I'll go to church and live for you. He said, I come ripping past uh, a house and there's a woman just waving real friendly out there. He said, I come back and living for God today. Amen. Amen. There's something about God reaching and reaching and reaching. I here if it wasn't one day when my dad was in a place amen that he was not living for God. He was bitter. He had turned against the things of God. He had been baptized at the age of 17 but something had happened and he had gotten bitter and he didn't like churches and he didn't like preachers amen. He didn't like much about it. He knew what was right but he didn't care because he didn't like it. Amen. And Brother Murray Lane the pastor in Fresno, California, came over to his house, knocked on the door, and my dad invited him in. He wasn't much crazy about Brother Murray Lane either, but uh, he invited him in. Brother Murray Lane sat there. Amen. And, uh, and my brother Kurt was about a year old, year and a half old. He starts crawling along. He picks up my dad's cigarettes, and my dad was so embarrassed. He tries to pull one in his mouth. That's for Brother Kurt. But uh, so I wasn't around at the time. But Brother Lane looks at him and he said, you know, Joe Thornton, an evangelist, and Joe Thornton was one fella that my dad knew and kind of liked. He said, he's going to be preaching. Amen. If somebody had not reached out to my dad that day, my, my mom was ready to go back to church. Oh, she was ready to go back to church. Yes. She had, been, she had come to the Lord and Brother Ike Terry's church when she was 12, 13 years old, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and she married my dad. When she was 17, 18 years old, they went out of the church, and she was so desperate to go back to church. In fact, she was so hungry for God. And one day, I believe it was some Jehovah Witnesses that came by, and, and they knocked on the door, and she invited them in, and they sit down and began to try to sell her. They used to sell books. Amen. They give away, then they sold them. They began to try to sell her the books and stuff. I don't know if she bought any books or not, but after they were done, right when they were done, they said, can we pray with you? And she said, sure. And she got down on her knees and she began to pray. And she began to cry and she began to sob. And it scared those JWs so much, they ran out of the house. She was under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They didn't know what they'd gotten a hold of. 
but she was ready to go back to church. Amen. And I told the story. My dad told the story. But they went to church. And Brother Joe Thornton was preaching. Amen. I don't know if it's at the old Whitesbridge Church or the Ninth and Low Church. But they got in there and God began to move. And my dad looked at my mom and said, You cannot go to the to the altar. And she said, Okay. And so they, they went back to church the next night. Amen. And he looked at mom and said, If you want to go to the altar, go ahead. And she hit that altar speaking in tongues, man. And the next time my dad walked up, pulled his cigarettes out of the sleeve. They, they were rolled up in his sleeve, threw them across the way, did something that was probably wrong. But he was desperate. He said, Lord, if I want the Holy Ghost tonight, if I don't get the Holy Ghost tonight, I'm never coming back. And he walked in. And when the altar call was called, he walked down in just a minute. He received the Holy Ghost. It's not complicated people. Right. Amen. God is there for us. If we need him and want him, he'll do what he needs to do. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, sup with him and he with me. Yeah. I'm going to close right now. God. I just know that Sometimes we complicate things. Yep. My dad did it. God, if you don't give me the Holy Ghost, I'm never coming back. And then we start laying things down. Here's the way it's got to be, God. If you want me to live for you, just forget that stuff. Say, so here I am. Here I am. God, I'm just struggling my walk. Just God, I need the Holy Ghost, God. I need to repent, God. That's not a problem. Everything, God, forgive me. It's just something. Oh, Jesus, in your name. I know that God wants to touch somebody's heart right now. Stand with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, God you are right so worthy. He's not a standoffish God. He's not some deity that's far away. And He's right here. He's right here. Moses wrote then, he said, He's not far off in heaven. Oh, we know He's everywhere. He's not hidden from thee. You don't have to send somebody to heaven to find the truth. You don't have to hire Elon Musk in his new starship to go find it on Mars because that's not where it is. Hey man, you don't have to get Jacques Cousteau, he's dead, Philippe and son, to go to the depth of the Mariana Trench to find truth. That's not where it is. Amen. Amen. You don't have to dig it out of a... You know what's funny? When they, the Bible speaks of them finding a treasure in the field. It doesn't, they didn't dig up a treasure. They just found a treasure in the field. Yeah. It was in a market and found a pearl of great price. Yeah. Amen. The only thing he had to do was give everything he, he, he had. Just give himself everything he had. Turn it all over to Jesus. And there he goes. You want the great treasure? Just give yourself to Jesus. 
It's not complicated. Amen. When you get to the place that nothing matters anymore but living for God, it doesn't become complicated. When you just get to the place that here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. It's so simple. Here I am. Here I am, Jesus. Oh, God. I'm not here, Lord. Take me. Mold me. Make me into what you want me to be. Hallelujah. I might not understand everything. I don't have to understand everything. People think they got to be Bible scholars to live for God. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Say it and show myself a proof. But you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You need to give yourself to God. I've, I've talked to people, Brother David, and they got all, they know all the scripture, they know all this stuff, but they don't know God. They can give you all kinds of theories and ideas, and they can give you all kinds of arguments, but they are so far from God. Amen. Don't lay aside the word, that's not what I'm saying. But you just, you put aside all your preconceived notions and let God have his Yes, story. that's right. Strange how everything else comes together when you let God have his way in your life. That yep. all your questions and all the things that you're fighting with me come together when you let God have his way. The family member of mine, and we had a discussion not too long ago, he's got all kinds of he's been hurt, he's got all kinds of problems, he's got all kinds of things, and he's bitter and all that kind of stuff. He needs to just let go and let God have his way. Just let God have His way. Oh, let's just begin together to the front and raise our hands. Say, God, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Oh, God, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Just raise your hands and say, Jesus, I need you. 